Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, I wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. And today we're discussing the film Clue. And joining us today is our special guest, writer Dana Curcioli. So welcome, Dana. Hey, Dana. Hi. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, thanks for being here. We're very excited to talk to you. I'm very excited to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do in the entertainment world, Dana? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I do a little bit of everything. I'm kind of a a jack of all trades. I uh, started as an actor and improviser at the second city. And through that, I became a writer and a director and a coach and a teacher. And I kind of, so I, I, yeah, I wear a lot of hats and I love that about me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I like to do a little bit of everything and I, and, and improv and comedy and, you know, my job at second city introduced me to just the most wonderful people. And I'm a lucky lady. That's what I, that's what I do. I do like lucky girl shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Can you kind of give us your background about how you got into all the things you're doing? Oh yeah, of course. So I did not, there was not a theater program at my high school. I was a jock. Um, <laughs> I was like, like student council, vice president, homecoming court, prom court, co-captain of the softball team, um, nice. kind of a little jock. And, <laughs> but I always knew I wanted to be a comedian and I like everything I have from like first grade kindergarten. What do you want to be when you grow up? All, all of it says comedian. At my, this sounds like a bummer, but it's not. When my father passed away, I was 11 and I made up my mind at his funeral that I was going to pursue it. I was like, I don't want to see people sad. I want to see people happy and laughing and smiling. And I want to be the one that makes them do that. So I went to Eastern Michigan University for exactly one semester. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I started working at Disney. So I did like the Disney college program. Yeah. Yeah which ended up being kind of pivotal in my life because A, I met like wonderful friends and had a blast, but also B, I got really comfortable in front of people. So before Disney, I had like crushing stage fright because Mm. I'd never been on stage before. Yeah. And then I became a tour guide and I had to like lead these guided tours through the house of the future (laughs) at Epcot. And I got comfortable, like being myself in front of an audience, making jokes, talking to people. So when I got back to Cleveland, I decided to stay. My grandfather had open heart surgery. I'm a big family gal. So my grandfather had open heart surgery and it like really freaked me out to be away from him. So I moved back to Cleveland and started taking classes at the now defunct second city Cleveland. And then I was on the, I was in the inaugural main stage cast, the second city Cleveland. I dropped out of wow. college. Wow. Um, I mean, a sweeping success story, a drop a college dropout. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was kind of unceremoniously let go from the second city Cleveland and moved mm. to, that's a huge lie. It was a big whole thing. Uh, it was, it was a big <laughs> whole thing. Uh, my best friend and I had made a pact. We were on the stage together, Colleen Doyle, who I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, yeah. The two of us made a pact to move to Chicago to continue to pursue improv if we ever lost that job. And we said that like months before we got fired. Oh my God. So that when we got fired, the first thing I said was like, oh God, now I have to move to Chicago with Colleen. (laughs) Like, oh no. (laughs) But I did it. And that started kind of kickstarted everything. Started working with Second City again, IO, um, occasionally annoyance and just started 
my whole life, really. Yeah. You know, we're, we're huge fans of of that world. Yeah. Also have a little background in that world as well. And, you know, mm-hmm. what draws you to do improv? Because, I mean, improv is so you don't know what's going to happen. How do you deal with that? I think that's the fun of it. And my favorite thing about improv truly is the attitude of like, we've got nothing, but we've got each other. Yeah. Like I said, I'm I'm a, a family gal. So I, I love to be with people that I feel supported by. And I think my favorite thing about improv is that you look across the stage and you don't know what the hell's going to happen, yeah. but you know who you're in it with and it's magic. It's in, mm. you know, it's just kind of, it appears before your eyes and it's that thing of like leap and the net appears, but sometimes the net doesn't appear and you eat so much shit and it's horrible. <laughs> That's fun too. <laughs> right. And it, even that makes you closer. Yes. I, I, you know, I mean, there, there are moments that I can think back of like once on the, on the road I was touring and O'Brien was touring Mark Rotterman, um, Mary Stone. And we, we just had this horrible show. We had <laughs> such a horrible show. We've been touring the 50th anniversary show for like, uh, for like 11 months. So, and it had been like kill city everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And we get to this one place in this one town that did not like a thing we did. <laughs> and we were like the show, you know, normally a 45 45 minute act one, I think took 30 minutes, the first act, because no one was laughing. Oh my God. And it was backstage. We were dying laughing because we were like, (laughs) we've never seen this before. And this is the worst, but also most hilarious feeling because we're just, I mean, we were eating so much shit left and right. And then at the end of the show, we took bows to, uh, we are the champions. And then we got the (laughs) hell out. But that night, was one of the most fun nights on the road because we, we just, we just laughed and laughed and you get so much closer. So Mm -hmm. I love that feeling of working with people, building something together and just, you know, riding it out good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so fun to just be up there with people who you are really close to and you both know that it's a train wreck and it's going down (laughs) and you just lean into it and just have a good time anyway. I love that feeling. Yeah. (laughs) It's that's, the best part of it is just yeah. looking across the stage and seeing in that you can see into the very soul of the people you're on stage with. <laughs> right. It's, it's a, a moment of reckoning. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's about who I'm working with and it's about, you know, what we're doing together. I, I that's my favorite. That's Definitely. awesome. First of all, can you tell us what it's like to tour with second city? It sounds like a very intense schedule. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it isn't, you know, it's it, what makes it worthwhile is the people that you work with. I was very lucky. I toured with the most amazing people and there was very little drama. You know, other people are not as lucky, Yeah, but my, from the very start of it, like if you look at who I toured with, it's truly remarkable. (laughs) It was just, (laughs) it was just moments of the most fun and being the most exhausted. And, you know, you get like, you get to see places that, you know, I grew up kind of poor and I didn't really go on vacations or anything like that. So when I started touring, I was like, you mean we get to go to St. Louis? <laughs> like I was so excited. <laughs> and I, I, St. Louis is a great city. Um, yeah. But I got to go to like 48 states and, and I think five or six countries outside of the U.S. That's that wild. I would have never seen without that. And I got to do it with people that I consider family and um Count, drink every time Dana says family in this, but, um, <laughs> that's in our game, <laughs> <laughs> but like the people I toured with, I mean, I toured with Shelly Gossman, Mary Stone, Megan Hovde, Ross Bryant, Edgar Blackman, Mark Rotterman, Tim Robinson, um, Rebecca Hansen, Natalie Sullivan, Derek Shipman, 
um, Ryan Archibald, Andy St. Clair, Hans Holson, just the wow. absolute Tim Baltz. I mean, wow. if you watch a comedy show right now, there you trip and fall into those people. Yeah, They're just for sure. Mike, did I say Michael Bryan? Um, yeah, just the, the most wonderful, most talented That's people. That's amazing. Yeah, it was so fun. And I'm, if I'm forgetting somebody, forgive me, but oh my God, Brendan Jennings. Brendan and I toured together. And we did a two-person show and we do Letters to Santa every year, which is a 24-hour improv oh, yeah, show. That, and that fundraiser. Brendan and I performed as a two-person named Brendana. Uh, and uh, we I just <laughs> love him so much. So it, like everybody has been, it was a delight. It was like a dream machine, just one right after the other. Yeah. That's so That's cool. So, cool. Mm-hmm. so how did you make the transition then from doing work on stage to actually writing? I started writing, you know, when you have an interest in comedy, people who say like, I don't know how to write. You do, you do know how to write. You just don't know that you know how to write. I mean, second city really doesn't formally teach you how to format anything or they didn't. I mean, I'm a thousand years old, so, you know, maybe they do that now, but they didn't teach you how to format scripts or how to do any of that. It's something that you just have to kind of teach yourself. And, uh, my mentor at second city, one of them was a woman uh, named Mary Scruggs who, forced me to start teaching writing because I was like, you know, I I love teaching improv. I don't want to teach writing. And she was like, yes, you do. We (laughs) we need women to teach writing. You, we need you. We need you. You got to do this. And so every week before I would go to class to teach it, she would teach me the lesson because she, her attitude was like, look, she used to call me kiddo. She was like, I can teach you the lingo. I can teach you the things you don't know, but you can't teach somebody how to be naturally as good at something as you are, which was very kind. And I, oh, that's God nice. rest her soul. I yeah. love her so much, but like, you know, so I didn't know that I knew how to write until she was like, you know how to write. What are you saying? But you know, you do, you start with sketches, you start with blackouts, you start with these little like pieces of content. I hate that word, but you, it's true. Yeah. And then you just get more curious about different things. So you're like, do I want to try writing standup? Do I want to? And it teaches you how to write a joke and how to focus on like the math of it, you know, the equation, the science of it too. And so as you get better and better in front of people learning those formulas and and how to tinker, you know, because at second city, you try things out in the improv set, you see what works, you see what doesn't, you fix it. Like, you know, it's you plug and chug and you fix it. And then I just was in love with it. So I just started teaching myself. Essentially, I started just reading books. I read a ton of like screenwriting books, save the cat, you know, yeah. like those kind of things. Sure. I just started writing a bunch of those and taught myself how to write pilots and, and whatever. And am I perfect at it? No, I'm a college dropout for Pete's sake, but I, uh, <laughs> but I practice. I sure do try. Yeah. Awesome. Earlier. I forgot to ask something. You said you did tours of the house of tomorrow. Yeah. House of the future. Yeah. House of the future. Sorry. There's a house near here called house of tomorrow. Um, are there any like cool facts that you remember from that tour? Oh, well, okay. So it was at interventions East and Epcot center, which is gone now, uh, not Epcot uh, interventions. And obviously we showcase like futuristic home products. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, some of the things like we had a microwave oven that could cook a Turkey in like seven minutes. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> and then this is like, I mean, revolutionary yeah. products, you know, back in like the, the late nineties, early aughts. So it was like, we had a sewing machine that would, that would you program something into it and it would just embroider it. And everybody was like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Blew their minds. Oh yeah. A 72 inch high definition digital television, which was like state of the art at the wow. time. Uh, wow. The Sony super slim notebook computer. Like that's not, the, so like we had those, but here I'll tell you like a fun, um, Disney, I'll tell you a fun Disney. Uh, secret. So underneath, I'm sure you've heard there are tunnels underneath Magic Kingdom. There are tunnels and there, you know, sometimes you can take tours of like the very 
like entrance of them, but they don't really like let people in that aren't cast members or whatever. And underneath there, there's like a fully kind of functioning city. So there's restaurants, there's banks, there's um, places to get your hair cut. You know, there's flower shops, there's all these different things. And in the vending machines, because you have to be so well-groomed to work at Disney, you don't, there's, there's like pop and, or soda or whatever you say, uh, vending machines, but there's also like razors, pantyhose, deodorant, <laughs> toothbrush, toothpaste, and all the vending machines. So you could keep the, the Disney look standards up. Wow. wow. But the tunnels are pretty fun. Yeah. They are pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. I do say pop. That uh, is correct. Uh, I say pop. We're, no, we're Midwestern. On. Yeah. We're in the I say soda. <laughs> Get out. Yeah. Get out of here. We're shutting it down. Sorry. <laughs> you do have your own podcast. I do. Yeah. I do. So I didn't know if you want to talk about that more. Um, we I listened to it a lot. It's very, very good. Just anyone listening, you should check it out. You want to tell us more about kind of how that got started and just your inspiration behind because you play characters in it and that whole process. Yes. So the podcast is called Those Who Ant, or if you're from, I guess, a different part of the world, Those Who Aunt. <laughs> I can't bring myself to say it. Um, ant those is who correct. Aunt. I just want to say again. Yeah, thank you. It's pop and it's ant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guys, it's Absolutely. soda aunt. No. <laughs> Get out, Ben. <laughs> One of my best friends in the whole wide world, Colleen Doyle, who I mentioned earlier, she's my... I mean, we were together on the main stage at Second City Cleveland and we moved to Chicago together. She's who I made that pact with. And so we're always kind of working on stuff. We we write together very well. We improvise together very well. We've been a, a duo called Baby Makers since 2002. And so we had been thinking about like, what are we going to do next? And I was moving to LA. And so she's like, let's start this podcast. I'm like, great. And she said, I had an idea what if we did, what if we were just a couple of ants? Um, and you know, we just immediately were like, yeah, let's do that. That's yeah. ridiculous because I come from a very ant forward family, <laughs> um, take a shot. And I, <laughs> so I have, um, three of the best ants in the whole world. The, they're so great. They're like, do you remember from sleeping beauty, the three fairies, Flora, yes. Fauna and Mary yeah. Weather? Yep. My aunts are Flora, Fauna and Mary Weather. They are just kind of always circling and they may, they make magic happen and they're hilarious. And they're, they're three, like of the exact same height. Just, <laughs> they are those fairies. Trust me when I say it. And, um, I am also a very proud aunt. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, so when she said that, I was like, this could be poking fun at my family and I, but yes, absolutely. I will yeah. do this. <laughs> and so we just came up with our characters and we just kind of had over a phone call in the middle of the pandemic. I just moved to LA. I was in such a shitty apartment that had bed bugs. It was like such a bad experience, oh, but man. Colleen, it was horrible. Colleen and this podcast were uh, definitely a saving grace because it gave me something to focus on and, mm-hmm. and look toward. Yeah. And we were like, okay, you know, where did we meet? And it was like, we met at a Marshall's meetup. And then later we, later that week, that same week, we met at a Janet, Janet Ivanovich book club. Uh, (laughs) And that was, that was it. And so we just improvised one. And then we thought we'll bring a guest on every week and have Mm -hmm. them improvise with us. And Mm -hmm. it's all improvised, except we asked the guest to come in with um, a way that we met and we don't like to know it beforehand. So everything that you hear is completely uh, made up on the spot and it's the most fun. It got us through the pandemic. I know Colleen is exactly of the same mind. It it just, it was so much fun to do and we have the best guests and we have so much fun 
I, I keep saying so much fun. I'll think of something better, but it really is truly insane. And every episode kind of takes on the, I, the vibe of the person who comes in with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody comes in and they're super mellow, then the podcast is kind of mellow. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes in and they're like a little bit like Mary Stone um, from AP bio came in and she was like, is it okay if I'm like a little bit abrasive? And we were like, yeah, <laughs> be abrasive <laughs> with us. And it just kind of takes on the energy. And we've had so many fun guests and we have an absolute honest to God blast. It is yeah. a, it is a hoot and holler. And if you listen to it, thank you so much for listening to it. And if you haven't listened to it, you know, if you feel like it, <laughs> go ahead. I don't want to tell you life, but it's a fun <laughs> podcast. Give it a go. When you're listening to it, you can tell how much fun you guys are having. It's so oh, yeah. <laughs> well done and your characters are so good. And it's also a really good example because like we both used to do improv in person. Obviously, it's a very stage heavy performance kind of art. But then with the pandemic, everything shut down, right? So it's like, yeah. oh, we'll try to do improv on Zoom. We'll try to do, you know, all these different ways. And I think your podcast is such an awesome example of how do we do improv during the pandemic in a way that's really satisfying and fun to listen to. And I think your podcast really accomplishes that. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. It's such a good way that, you know, if we if we can't do stuff in person, this is like a very good example of what we can do. And it's just now there's a whole other facet where you keep doing this, even when things reopen, like people are still going to want to listen to the podcast. So, well, I sure hope so. And thank you. I mean, we have a lot of people who, especially through 2020 and 2021, when we were all isolated, everybody would be like, Oh my God, I haven't done this in months. Oh my God. Do I remember? And then they get on the podcast and they're like slaying it. And it's Mm -hmm. so much fun to watch people, whether it's for 10 minutes or two minutes or, you know, an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. It's so much fun for me to watch people improvise in a character. It's yeah. it's just, I love what people can create if given mm-hmm. the opportunity. So it's, it, you really, we do laugh a lot. It is, yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty of it. Colleen yeah. breaks me all the time and she's, <laughs> she's absolutely bananas. And in 20, literally 20 years of performing with her, I have never once been able to predict what she is going to do or say. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> it is. It is. And she's a genius. And I'm, yeah, thank you for, for asking about it. Cause I, I love it so much. And, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's one of those hidden gems where our friends who listen to it are like, man, it's a really funny podcast. It's really good. It is. It's very funny. It's the thing of like, people don't, I think people are like, a show about ants. What the hell? Yeah. So people are like, Oh, that's not my thing. Well, little do they know it's some of your favorite comedians coming on this podcast and playing completely off Mm -hmm. the rails characters, you know, and you you guys are so fast. Yeah. It's, it it sounds like a real conversation. It sounds like you're all in the room together, just hanging out. Like the, the improvisation is so good and solid. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That's just the highest compliment. Do you have any moments from your career where it's either unbelievable where you're like, I can't believe this is the job I get to do, or you have a moment where you're like, I can't believe this is what I am doing right now for my job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. I have had several of those. One of them was very early. It was in 2002. We're at the second city, Cleveland, and our grand opening in the audience was Fred Willard and Lance Kinsey, Danny Breen, um, a bunch of like Ohio born um, comedians and Fred Willard came backstage and like he and his wife were hanging out with us and we got to talk with them. And 
the the Second City 50th anniversary was another thing where it's I got to watch Catherine O'Hara. I got to listen to this. I got to drive the car because um, the touring company was asked to like help out with a couple of things. But okay. I was also an alumna. So I got to do both. I got to like have like these extra kind of behind the scenes jobs and go to the events and drink, <laughs> uh, which I did so much of. But um, one of the my, my job for the weekend was to drive people from the hotel that they were put up at to the venue. So my first drive, like my, I had to pick up the first, my first person of the day was Shelly Berman, who was like a legendary comedian who came from second city, but also then became a famous standup. My second pickup of the day was the SCTV cast for their reunion. Oh my so gosh. I truly picked up in like a 15 passenger van, Martin short, Catherine O'Hara, Andrea Martin, Dave Thomas, um, Eugene Levy, his brother, Frank, and I'm driving my God, my honest to God heroes. I'm driving in this ridiculous van and all I can hear in my, like, I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to watch them in the rear view. I'm trying to not kill all of everybody's (laughs) comedy heroes. And I mean, it was, it was truly amazing. Like I spoke to all of them. It was, I mean, it, it, that was one of those things where I was like, holy God, look oh at this God. situation. I could accidentally kill all of these people and the, <laughs> I will go down in history as like the most hated woman. So I was like driving like, oh God, <laughs> please don't. And then, and then another one was um, before our grand opening at Second City Cleveland, Tina Fey and Jeff Richmond just happened to be in town because Jeff Richmond's from the Cleveland area. So they're there often. And so she came through and I was, we were still in previews. And so I was doing a scene that she had written called stripper. And so she and Kevin Dorf wrote it and it was from paradigm lost, which is an amazing second city review. And so I was doing it for the first time ever in front of an audience. I'd only done it in rehearsals and she was there to see it. Wow. And I was so nervous. And 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 I found out she was there at the end of act one and it was in act two. So I was like, oh God, <laughs> she's going to see me do this. <laughs> and so we, we finished the show. She came backstage and this was, this was SNL head writer, Tina Fey. Yeah. This wasn't yet the, the, right. th- like 30 rock. Everybody knew her Tina Fey. This was right. like, if you were a comedy nerd, you right. knew who she was. She came up to me and Colleen can attest to this. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating because I almost fainted. (laughs) She came up to me and she said, she was so nice. And she said, hey, great job with stripper. You got more laughs out of it than I ever did. (laughs) And I was, I, I like went like white in the face and I was just like, no, no, that's not, that's not even possible. It's not (laughs) even, I like turned into a completely different human being. And, um, it was amazing. And then I I just, I, I was like, holy crap. It's just, that's the top of the mountain for me. Yeah. But there were some really cool, there's been some really cool moments. Like I do this show letters to Santa every year. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it earlier. It's a 24 hour improv show. It's a fundraiser. It's a, such a cool thing. And there are about 12 of us who do the full 24 hours. That to me is my favorite thing that I ever do. It's you improvise until you're delirious. And then <sighs> I, th- every year I think I'm going to laugh myself to death and then I don't, but I get really emotional. And then I think, you know, it's just, and we have so many fun people who come and, and play with us, you know, like I can't even begin to list off the celebrities that I've played with because of that, but it's yeah. not about that. It's about 
we do this really cool thing that helps families every year. Mm-hmm. And I get to be a part of that group that does the full 24. And every year I'm, I'm so thankful and so lucky. Yeah. And I just feel like it, it, you know what it feels like? It feels like the end of Rudy and <laughs> every year, because you've done this thing. It's, right. it's yeah. right. exhausting. You're, you're so tired, but you're awake somehow and your body's on autopilot, but your mind is fresh after 24 hours. It's truly an amazing experience. So I think that's my, that's my pinnacle of every year I get to do this thing with these people that I love and help people. It's very cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. That's fantastic. Well, before we move on to talk about the movie, Dana, I have one last question for you. Okay. So what advice do you have for people who are interested in getting either into either comedy or writing or podcasting, anything like that. Do it. I just do it. There's that saying like luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I really, you know, I'm not somebody, I I haven't had like a a million glamorous high power jobs or anything like that. I'm just a, I'm just a workhorse. Like this year I got my first TV writing job and it was the most magical experience that I've had in a long time. I had just had a hysterectomy. I was still on pain pills and I was like, Oh God, was this a bad idea? And then I got to do, I got to do the job and it was amazing. And nothing felt like that feeling to me. And that wasn't just Percocet. That was a real, (laughs) that was a real feeling of joy and, um, and getting to do the thing that I always have wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I would say this, you have to be able to be rejected 1 million times. Yeah. I mean, this week I got an email that was like a, a rejection email and it was, it cut me to the core. And then I was like, Oh, this is the hilarious. This is the most hilarious way to do this. Like the woman was like, thank you so much. Like, congrats on your move to LA. This writing is generic and we don't like it anyways. <laughs> bye. And I was like, Holy crap. Okay. Well, I was using, Ouch. I was using your brief. Thanks. Yeah. Lady, right. but okay. Right. <laughs> But so, you know, you, you have to be able to be rejected. You have to be okay with it. You have to put your stuff out in the ether and not know if it's being viewed and you can't obsess over it. You have to just want to do the work because you love doing the work. Yeah. If you're curious and you're like, man, I've always wanted to be like on stage. Maybe I'll take an acting class, then take an acting class. Don't say maybe just do it. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the thing because it's that, that first step is a doozy. And then everything else after that, if you're having fun, it, it just kind of falls into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just do the damn thing. Let's get to our featured film. Today we're discussing the 1985 film Clue. It was directed by Jonathan Lynn. It was written by John Landis and Jonathan Lynn. And it was based on the board game by Anthony E. Pratt. It stars Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, Colleen Camp and leaving. Susan, before we get into it, can you give us a quick breakdown? What's this movie about? Yes. Well, first of all, this cast is incredible. Stacked. Um, yeah. So it's much like the board game. These six strangers show up. They're all given aliases of Mr. Green, Colonel Mustard, Mrs. White, uh, Miss Scarlet, Mrs. Peacock, Professor Plum. These are not their real names in the movie. I think they are in the board game. But they all show up at this house. They all don't know why they're invited there, but they soon find out from both the butler, Wadsworth, played by Tim Curry, amazing, and also Yvette, uh, who's the maid, and then the cook, who actually does not have a name in the movie, and then 
this mysterious Mr. Body guy. So they're all there, find out they're getting blackmailed. Soon after that, Mr. Body dies. And then they have to figure out, well, he gets murdered and they have to figure out who murdered him. And they were also conveniently all given uh, the clue weapons of the rope, the candlestick, the revolver, poison, knife. Yep. Yep. Candle. I said candlestick. So it plays out. They uh, have to solve the murder. They have to go through this crazy mansion with all these secret passageways. And you see most of the rooms that appear on the board game. Um, yeah. So let's get into it. <laughs> Absolutely. So Dana, you chose Clue for us to watch. Why did you choose this movie? I believe it is one of the funniest movies with one of the best ensemble casts yes. ever to be done. And the fact that it was based on a board game, yes. <laughs> it's unreal funny. It is so good. And when people, like, it is truly one of my top five favorite movies of all time. And I, I watch it anytime I can. If I'm having a bad day, if I'm having a good day, I truly love this movie <laughs> so much. And, and there's not one character in that movie that I don't respect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, even like, <laughs> like leaving, he doesn't do much. The cook doesn't do much. Yvette, mm. you know, one of the go-go's is in it. She's the singing telegram girl. Oh, and so, I like, know that. Yeah. So like the cast, every, every, it's like every piece is a very important piece of the puzzle mm -hmm. that makes this movie so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I love, there's a lot of like really funny moments that are easy to catch. And then there's so many little side jokes. Like when yeah. Mrs. Peacock is like, oh, is there like a ladies room? And the maid who's French goes, oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. And she goes, no, I just have to powder my nose. Yes. Like that. so many little like throwaway jokes that you can miss if you're not paying attention, I, yeah. which I love. I love stuff like that in writing. One of my favorite moments is a look then when Mr. Green says, and I'm a homosexual and Wadsworth is like flipping through the papers and he like gives he like looks and he get he like looks up and does this take yeah. that is so perfect mm -hmm. and everything it's everything it's the delivery Eileen yeah. Brennan says one line in it where she just says how did you know my name and it's where oh uh, what's his name who just died who played um Johnny Fever on um, uh, WKRP he just passed away he's in it mm -hmm. and he's you know he says oh Mrs. Peacock and she turns around and she just goes how did you know my name and her <laughs> I just her voice gets yes. so low yeah and you're like even that is the most perfect <laughs> it's so good yeah, in addition to all the lines are really great, but the physical comedy is so yeah, good. Really good. Like, yeah. Even though this is almost entirely filmed in this mansion, people are moving constantly. There's so mm -hmm. much energy on the screen. And I love every time they have to move a dead body. They just don't <laughs> care at all. They're just <laughs> dropping these things and throwing them around. And yeah. It's so good. Mm -hmm. There's the the moment where the they put the <laughs> where they kill the you know the cook has been killed and there's a, she's got a dagger in her back and yeah Yvette's you know like how do we do it the dagger will go further into her back so they they like delicately sit her down and then Mr uh, it's Professor Plum is like seated in the couch between Mr Body yeah, and he the gets cook stuck and in the middle <laughs> so funny <laughs> I love it so much this cast is incredible like you said and you know I love Tim Curry. Uh, love, he's love, perfect. love. He's so wonderful as playing this, like this weird sort of, you know, he's the butler, but he's more than that. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't seen the movie, watch it. But it, he's so good and, and so mischievous, but also just so good at being like desperate and manic and all these things. It, it, it's great to watch. They all go through these moments of pure, you can kind of watch them lose their minds as the right. movie goes on and so the 
acting is perfect. And everybody's moment of like losing it is so brilliant. Like Madeline Kahn's, but very little of it was improvised very little. And which means those jokes were written that perfectly on paper and acted that well. And, but Madeline Kahn has like maybe the most iconic moment from, you know, when she says the flames on the side of my face, (laughs) that was the old, that was like one of the only improvised moments in the whole thing. It's just such an important part of my life. It really is. Right. Well, and just to realize as you're watching it, because I didn't recognize Christopher Lloyd at first. And the more I realized all the people in this movie, I was just like, this is insane that all these people got together at the same time in the same space and made this. Yeah. It's amazing that this movie is as good as it is because it's based on a board game. <laughs> right. I mean, a board game with really no storyline. Like, <laughs> there's no story to clue. Well, I mean, I mean just who done it? Yeah, yeah it's so just who done there's it. There's somebody yeah. in the envelope. There's a victim, a weapon in a room, but you, there's no like a murder, a victim. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah, the murder. Yeah, but there's no like narrative really to right. the game. Right. So they had to re- make all that up, and they did a really good job. And mm-hmm. it's it is fun to try to figure out who the killer is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, and the, did you know that when it was released originally, they did a different ending in every yes. theater? So yes. It, I mean, could you imagine? <laughs> like, just like you go to one movie down the down the street, it's a completely different ending, mm-hmm. and it's just based on where you went. That's so smart. <laughs> and audiences were idiotic, and it, yeah. like it wasn't a big hit. Mm-hmm. It only became a hit afterward. But yeah, and, and think about it, like because I feel like if that was done today, it would be a huge success because people were like, "Wait, that theater had a different ending. I got to go buy a ticket there now and see what it is." And right. like, you know, they'd be seeing it three or four times just to make sure they saw the. Yeah, and th- what a cool <laughs> idea, right? And I mean, you know, the version we watched, of course, had the multiple mm-hmm. endings on it, which I, I think is the version that's most widely available and that by itself is so funny right yeah. of, of saying like here's two things that could happen and then what really happened yeah um and they're each equally plausible and equally ridiculous which i love yes and when you watch it my sister and i used to kind of always try and figure out which sounds so stupid because they really do tell you who does it but you know my sister and i used to be like okay wait look just to like check their work like okay wait she's not in this part okay uh, there's all but there's this many of them you know so like we really were nerdy about it and like used to get so excited to watch it mm-hmm. because it it really i i just love when there's a lot of thought that goes into something and yeah. when all the pieces come together yeah i really i'm such a nerd for that and it, it's it's all of that on top of kind of a brilliant slapstick and yes. brilliant. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's flawless. And even all the small parts, like the cop that stops by the driver that stops by, they all have like the cop when he's trying to get out of the room and he goes, I'm going to do you for false and imprisonment murder. and then yeah. murder. And they're like, wait, yeah. why'd you say murder? I just wanted you to open the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he had such a small part, but still such a big comedic impact. It's just really funny. Yeah, I know. And then every all of the people, I, I don't know what became of the cook, but every other person and maybe the motorist, actually, I don't recognize him from anything, yeah, I don't either. but a lot of them had, you know, like went on to be like pretty successful character yeah. actors. I know the the cop is one. And then, like I said, um, what's her name from the Go-Go's was in it. And mm-hmm. Colleen Camp is perfect as Yvette. And yeah, it's just, oh my God, her accent. I feel like that's the French accent I do. It's not, <laughs> it's not because I've heard a real French person speak and mimic that. It's, yeah. it's my impression of Yvette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, watching all the characters, 
play off each other. I mean, this must have been so much fun to make because even when they like each get paired up and the, you know, the movie just quickly switches between all of the pairings, they do such a good job pairing people that don't like each other together uh, Mm -hmm. and then watching them just try to like carefully figure it out. And I think we can spoil the ending because this movie is pretty old. 85. Yeah. Yeah. This movie's, you know what? I mean, it's over 35 years old now. Mm -hmm. So, um, I love the the ending ending where each of them kills someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so good. It's such a perfect ending to that movie. I love it. It's yeah. so Except so I do I do hate that well, spoiler alert, Wadsworth dies. I hate that Wadsworth yeah. dies. Yeah. Yeah. But even his death is like when he's like, oh, good shot, Green. Yeah. <laughs> Just surprised that that Mr. Yeah. Green could have done it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I love that one. I, I I also love the one where they sing for she's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> and as uh, as Eileen Brennan is leaving, as Mrs. Peacock is leaving, mm-hmm. because that obviously does the has the how did you know my name? But it also is them singing the rounds of for she's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> and if you watch Madeline, Con- if you I challenge everybody who's listening to this to go through and just focus on one of the actors every time you watch it, like pick a different one because you will see such brilliant comedic timing, acting, you know, physical comedy. You focus on a different character every time you will not be disappointed. It's a masterclass. It really is. We like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling clue you in. We're going to see how well both of you know famous movies. Dana, you're going to be playing against Susan. So here are the rules. My great and worthy opponent. That's (laughs) that's exactly right. So here are the rules. I'm going to give each of you the title of a well-known film that features a murder. You have to yell your name if you think that you can name the actor who plays the killer in the movie, the weapon that they use, and a room where they killed someone or tried to kill someone. If you get two out of three correct, you will get a point. But if you're wrong, the other person will get a point. I have five movie killers for you to identify. And the first person to get three points will win our prize. So, Susan, what's our prize? It is some Life in the Credits merchandise. Yeah, we'll send you a t-shirt. Or a mug. Yeah. Okay, okay, I could really use a t-shirt. Okay. The stakes got a lot higher. Yeah, they did. (laughs) All right, Dana, are you ready? I'm ready. Susan, are you ready? I'm ready. Remember, yell your name if you want want to play. All right, here we go. I'm only used to yelling my own name in the throes of passion. (laughs) Well, see how this goes. <laughs> All right. Your first movie is Knives Out. Susan. All right, Susan, you, you elected to play. Okay. All right. So again, the first one, you have to identify the actor who plays the killer. Okay. So is it Daniel Craig? Is it Chris Evans? Or is it Jamie Lee Curtis? I think it's Chris Evans. That is correct. Okay. All right. You have to get one more correct to get this point. Okay. Does Chris Evans in this film, by the way, spoilers for all of these. Yeah. (laughs) These are some pretty big spoilers. Uh, Does this killer use a revolver, a candlestick, or a knife? A knife? A knife is correct. At the end of the movie, he tries to kill Anna de Armas with a knife. Yeah. Finally. Where does a murder or attempted murder take place? Is it the study, 
the kitchen or the dining room? I think it's the study. That is correct. Okay. All right, Susan, you Damn got it. three out of three. You get, get one, one point. point. Okay. Good job. All Damn right, your it. next movie. Dana, get in. Okay. okay. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> your next movie is Seven. Oh, this movie's dark. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Dana? All right, Dana, you've elected to play. I right. kind of did. Okay. <laughs> Your three actors are Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, and Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. That's right. He is the killer. All right. Now, for weapons, did he use the rope, a lead pipe, or a revolver? A revolver? Yes. Remember, it's murder or attempted murder. Finally, in which place? Did this killer kill someone or try to kill someone? Your options are a billiard room, a library, or a dining room. Dining room. That is correct. Okay. All right. Score is <sighs> one, one to one. one. Ooh. Oh, my God. Well done. That one really made me nervous. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> I don't remember that movie as well as I thought I did. Oh, that is like one of my it's top so favorite scary yeah, movies. Yeah, I might have yeah. blocked it a little bit because it is very dark. It is dark. <laughs> Good movie. We watched, I watched that movie before my softball team in high school went to state tournaments. We all got out of school early. One of my families, one of my uh, teammates' families made lasagna and we watched seven oh full my lasagna God. and Ugh. then got on a bus <laughs> <laughs> to drive to Mount Vernon, Ohio. <laughs> to play oh my softball. gosh, that, that's wild. <laughs> All right, your next movie, remember, yell your name. Okay. Is Scream. Dana. All right, Dana, you've elected to play. Okay. Now, this is the first Scream movie, to be clear. Okay. All right, so is the killer Matthew Lillard, Nev Campbell, or Courtney Cox? Matthew Lillard. That is correct. Yeah. All right. Uh, what weapon did the killer use? Was it poison, a knife, or a wrench? Knife. Yes. All right, you got the point, but just go for the third one because it's fun. Okay. Did the killer try to kill someone in a pool, a gazebo, or a garage? Garage. That is correct. All right. <laughs> Dana got has two, two, one? two, two points one. Okay. to Susan's one point. All right, Susan, two. don't let me win. I won't. I'm getting my okay. head back in the game. Okay. <laughs> Your next movie. Okay. And there's two more. Okay. Your next movie is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm. I never saw this. I'll say Susan, but I've only read the books, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Is the killer Rooney Mara, Stellan Skarsgård, or Christopher Plummer? Oh, no. Is it... Oh. Was it Stellan Skarsgård? Yes, it okay. is. <laughs> also, I like your. Uh, you're taking this very teeth. seriously. I am. <laughs> All right. So far, so good. You you only have to get one more. Okay. I've never seen this. But remember, if you get the next two wrong, <laughs> okay. Dana will automatically win the whole oh. game. But, but I don't want to win by default. I don't want to win by default. So. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. I All see right. what you mean because she'll get a point then. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So weapons. Was a weapon a lead pipe? Poison or a revolver? I'm going to say revolver. Poison. This is a podcast. You're poison. doing nuts Poison. I'm sorry, that's not correct. No. <laughs> was it revolver? It was revolver. It. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. You, you have to get this last one right. Okay, I'm still in the game. All right, so where was a murder or an attempted murder? Where did it take place? 
Was it in a basement, in a hall, or in a study? Basement. Yes, that's okay. correct. All right. So we're tied. We're tied at okay. two. Okay. All right. Now, that means this last, whoever gets this last point will win. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. And I love that this is where we landed because <laughs> this came up earlier in the interview. Oh, no. Your last movie is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Dana. Oh. Dana. All right. You jumped right on it. Let's go, Dana. All right. Now, is the killer... Bob Hoskins, Mel Blank, or Christopher Lloyd? It's Christopher Lloyd. Of course it is. All right, now, what weapon did the killer use? Was it a candlestick? Was it a wrench? Or was it dip? Dip. Dip is correct. Yeah. You have won, but just for fun, we're going to do the third one. Okay. Where did this murder or attempted murder take place? Did this murder take place in a car? A ferry? Or a bar room? If it's that little red shoe, a bar room. That is correct. (laughs) Dana, you win. Well done. Now, congratulations. You know, those were a lot of dark movies, but Who Framed Roger Rabbit was the one that gave me the most nightmares. Yeah, I actually, I watched that movie so much when I was young. I watched it probably like once a week, um, but I've not seen it for a long time. Oh, it's scary. Yeah. It's so good, though. When people tell me, actually, my writing students and my improv students, when I would say, you know, every week I'd be like, you have to do homework, watch mm-hmm. a movie of a genre that you don't know or whatever. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit does hold up as a perfect film noir. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I tell people to watch it as a film noir. Like, even if, if you, like, don't want to watch The Maltese Falcon, right. watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's Yeah, it is exactly that formula. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. Dana, before we let you go, would you like to plug anything? I really would love to plug my podcast again, Those Who Ant. It's wherever podcasts are available. I was going to say wherever podcasts are sold, but if you're paying money for this and we're not getting it, don't do it. (laughs) But you know what I'd love to plug? Actually, if you're anywhere near the Cleveland area and listening to this, um, there's a, a new theater that's opening up called Imposters Theater. And it's a really great, inclusive, welcoming, brand new improv theater um, in the Cleveland area. And I just want to give those guys a little bump because, you know, it's there's a lovely, thriving theater community in Cleveland. And the improv community is kind of just budding and beautiful. And uh, I I come here and teach workshops whenever I can because I'm from here and I love it. But I, I really want those guys to succeed. So awesome. Imposters Theater, Very cool. Cleveland, Ohio. Love it. Yes. Well, Dana, thank you for joining us. This yeah, was really great. This was really fun. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for doing this because it's so cool. Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner. And me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSounds.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm only used to yelling my own name in the throes of passion.